Hey, everybody. This is Frankie from the Breakpoint Podcast. We want to thank you all for tuning in to Marcus and I discussing our love and passion for the game of tennis. Your engagement and support goes a long way to helping this podcast continue to grow. Please be sure to give us a follow, rate our podcast on our social channels, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, or any other place that you get your podcasts. And on social media, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast 7, Twitter at Breakpoint Pod 7, LinkedIn, and of course, our website, podpage.com forward slash break dash point dash podcast. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you're the first to know when there's a new episode drop and more people like you can find our podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Frankie, and my co-host, Marcus. And today, we are going to be wrapping up the Madrid 2023 Masters, where, shocker to everyone who's ever watched tennis, including Marcus, who has described this man as good at tennis, Carlos Alcaraz has become the back-to-back champion of Madrid. And in this episode, we will also be previewing a little bit of the Rome 2023 Masters, which, as we spoke about last episode, is the most identical to Roland Garros. So that should give us a pretty decent idea of how some folks are going to fare out. But Marcus, I don't think the story of Madrid 2023 is Carlos winning back to back. It's got to be Jan Leonard Struff getting to the final. Marcus, tell us how he did it. It's your boy, Jan Lennart Struff. I'm so proud of that a German was in the final, not named Zverev. So, so happy. Um, he, Frank, he got in as a lucky loser, lost to Karatsev in the last round of qualifying. Gets in as Also a had a loser. sick tournament, by the way. Had a sick tournament, and they meet in the semifinals again, and then Struff beats him in the semis. It's epic. It's just beyond epic. He beat Tsitsipas. He had a good tournament last week too, so I wasn't expecting him to like completely fludge out, but he beat Tsitsipas, beats Karatsev, and then comes from a set down against Carlos and gets grabs a second set. Totally unexpected. Playing serve and volley. Loved his tactics against Carlos, by the way. I think some other people should take note of this. Um, but an absolutely amazing tournament from Jan Lennart. Really good guy, has a resurgence in his career now at 33. He, you know, a couple of years ago, he was like a top 30 player, but recently kind of fell off the map a little bit. So been going through a lot of qualifying and playing a lot of challengers, but loving, absolutely loving the way that he, he played this tournament. Yeah, could not agree more. Shout out to Aslan Karatsev as well, who also had a just phenomenal uh, tournament as well, which was, was, was awesome to see him because it's been a while since he's been really relevant to be honest um i I mean it it was just it it really was just so much fun to watch it was it was a really completely up in the air tournament borna korich also had a decent run this tournament uh davidovich fakina also played pretty well but i think the point that you make that is actually really really interesting is that Carlos did not like kill everyone this tournament? Like he except had some for tar- except for Zverev. That was that was Zverev. that was destruction. Yeah, no, that was not close. <laughs> but 
yeah i mean that was just bad i mean i posted that on the instagram too i was like oh maybe this will be like a good one no it was not it was one and two i mean that was embarrassing but ironically like ruzavori gave alcaraz i don't know if you watched that match at all really good match and arguably like you could say he should have won that match and then obviously in the final jan leonard Struth gives him a pretty difficult time and this is not the first time, by the way, that Jan Lundestruf has given Carlos a tough time. Apparently, that's like a really poor matchup for him by Carlos standards has consistently brought him to the brink a number of times. So whatever Struf is doing, and obviously, Marcus, will have you elaborate a little bit more. Um, the rest of the tour should really be taking note because they're starting to find ways to at least make him uncomfortable. That's and that's sometimes with top players like these, that's kind of all that you can do is just try to make them as uncomfortable as possible, which, you know, kudos to Alcaraz also, because even with being uncomfortable, he still manages to win all of these matches and defend his title, which I think is a really big deal for him. Another player that we thought would do well here and did do well is Karen Kachanov, who got to the quarterfinals, I believe, if I'm remembering right. And one doubles with Andre Rublev, which is really cool. I always love when the singles guys team up for doubles and, and, and make it interesting. And then lastly, the, the person I'll mention is Zhi, Zhijian Zhang, yep. who is somebody that I mentioned, I think, in Australia, if I'm remembering right, as somebody who I thought was a dark horse there, uh, didn't. It was not a dark horse in Australia, yeah. but was a dark horse in this tournament and becomes, I think he was the first Chinese man to make the quarterfinals of a Masters 1000, if I'm remembering correctly. So a lot of really interesting results that are coming out of this. I think there's a lot for us to sort of parse through. But Marcus, the first thing I want to ask you on, what did Jan Leonard Struff do this tournament to make it? to make it all the way to the final? And furthermore, what did he do against Carlos Alcaraz to make him uncomfortable? All tournament long, Struff is a he's, a... he's a clean ball striker, and he just goes for it. Um, something that definitely helped him that we talked about in the previous episode, Frankie, was the high altitude. Uh, the speed of... The courts in Madrid definitely helped him, as you can tell, because he's a big ball striker on a slower clay court. I wouldn't expect him to do as well, um, but he really took it to everybody. And his net game, he's not a natural volleyer, but his willingness and ability to go to net, attack there, threw the top guys off, through Steph off, um, and it certainly threw Carlos off because Carlos loves to just get into a rally and then start to dominate from the baseline. Struff is one of the only few guys on tour who can kind of go pound for pound with anybody from baseline power level. Um, but his willingness and ability to go to net, use it as effectively as he did, and throw in some drop shots and drop volleys was something that Carlos did not like in that second set. Um, now, Carlos did get a whole, kind of a hold of things in the third set, started to feel out his return. But um, if you're looking to mix up your strategy against Carlos specifically moving forward and we're talking about some of the top tier guys who want to compete for the slams this is what you got to do against them you cannot play you can't just be like oh, i'm going to play my game and hope for the best no that's not going to happen against carlos because you're just going to lose right everyone's going to lose at this point even Djokovic, in my opinion would lose to him right now i think you really have to do something way outside your comfort zone that not only brings yourself out but also carlos out because carlos 
doesn't like when it's just like quick bang, you know, oh crap, I got to hit a winner on this return or I got to, you know, I'm not going to be able to get my teeth into the baseline rally where he can chew you apart. I think that's something that Yannanat showed a lot of guys and um, man, I'm just proud of him. What a good boy. I just love the fact that Carlos absolutely smoked Sverev, but couldn't smoke Struve. So good. Yeah, no, he he really, Zverev, you can't say he had a bad tournament either. Like he got, what was that, round of 16? Like that's a pretty decent result again. So like he's slowly getting back into it, but I mean, he just gets whipped. He ain't ready Carla. for that I mean, yet. It's, it's not even a discussion. Uh, shout out to Botek van de Sanchloop, who made it to the third round, whatever this is. Yes, third round. And then unfortunately lost to Aslan Karatsev, who did end up making the semifinal, so I think a pretty acceptable result there. Um, let's talk about some of the disappointments that I want to get to uh, you with. I got one. Okay, I was yep. going to give you some, but please, go ahead. Dusan Lajevic, boy, taking out FAA. Let's go. So, you were sleeping you read, on Dusan. You, you read my mind. That was going to be number one. I don't know if I would say that that's a... I mean, it's certainly a disappointment for FAA, but I want to compliment Lajevic. He's been playing good ball. He he deserves to be like considered more than just like a, you know, lightning in a bottle. So, yeah, I mean, Lajevic beat him. Uh, FAA, it's the same old, same old. I, I mean, the guy is just a classic high ceiling, low floor kind of player where like you just don't know what you're getting on a daily basis. So I, I don't really have anything more to say with that. I mean, this is a type of tournament in Madrid with the altitude and everything that you would really expect him to be doing well because like he's got the big serve, he's got all the weapons in the world, and like he still manages to find ways to lose. And I, I just I I I don't want to say that he's like not a winner, but I don't think he's a winner. <laughs> I, I I really don't, and yeah, I I just very bearish on FAA is all I've got to say. I'll I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not something that the listeners haven't heard from us. So, um, what were some of the other disappointments that you wanted to chat about? I'm curious. I I, I it's harsh, probably. Saying that Sitsi Pass is a disappointment, but I kind of think it's a disappointment. It is. I'm not gonna lie. Like, totally how is. does he not get to the final? You know, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm sorry, but how does he not get to the final here? Uh, because your boy Yalanat Struff. But in a, in a perfect world, yeah, he should probably be taking care of Struff. Um. But again, Struff just went on an absolute tear. So I'm not like too concerned about that. But um, I think, Frankie, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Rome. Because I think Rome is going to suit him a little bit better than Madrid. And I think Rome, as you've mentioned, and I actually do want you to get into the specifics of Rome, play a little closer to Roland Garros. Yes. And there's one more that we need to talk about. And we'll actually have a little bit of a longer discussion about this. Casper Root going out to Matteo Arnaldi, who like compliments to Arnaldi, played great ball, won a few matches, like another young Italian doing well, like let's go. Frankie's excited. Uh, no, but I am, but like I mean, dude, Casper, like, what are we doing? Like, mm. it just seems like a lot of the same problems and sort of criticisms that people had of him a few years ago of 
you know, he's not really that good. He doesn't have any weapons. Like his game is just being mentally strong and being physically fit are just true. Like the way that he's playing this year, they're just true. He's not hitting his forehand big. His serve is like, like it's okay. And he's just spinning the ball back. And like, you just can't spin the ball back at this level and expect to win. Like even at the lower rungs now, like against a player in the second or third round, like you're going to lose. These guys are good enough. Like they will beat you. And I think that Casper, like, because he's a higher ranked player now, a lot of his shtick is just like gone, you know, like when you're the higher ranked player, like people expect you to win, like they expect you to like be tough and like whatever. And, and I think that part of his thing was being the underdog and catching people off guard and, you know, just hanging around in the match and like to be the, you know, the favored player that doesn't work. Like you've got to like take the match, like at the start, like full on, like foot on the gas. And he just doesn't do that. And it's been really frustrating to watch this whole year. I think there's a two part problem for Casper. And I agree that this has something to do with it, that he is the favorite. Now one out of all the top players, he is the most bland and the top 10, meaning Carlos, everything is a weapon. Jan is just a weapon from the baseline. Daniel has his own weird style. You know, Stefanos is just so good at mixing up and variety and using angles. Like, Casper is the most bland out of everyone, so he's the most attackable, is is one, because he doesn't have a specific, yeah, his forehand, but as you mentioned, he hasn't been hitting it as well. So he's got no specific weapon, and he just kind of hits the same balls over and over and again. So, so some people are like, you know what, we can take advantage of this second He's got a target on his back now um, because, like you mentioned, he's got expectations. He's a two-time slam finalist in 2022, uh, and he – I'm looking at it right now, Frankie. He's on his way out. If he doesn't – he's on his way out of the top 10 soon. Um, If he doesn't win Roland Garros, he'll lose – or sorry, if he doesn't make at least the final, he's losing at least 1,500 points. Uh, If he does poorly in Rome again – He's going to drop again. I mean, he's on his way out of the top 10, which does not suit him. I could see him, you know, going back to his little 250 clay circuit just to get points again this summer. Like, it, I'm sure he didn't want to do that, but this is kind of what we're dealing with with Casper. I don't know if it's something mental that he's dealing with or maybe he's got some sort of physical ailment that we just don't know about. I'm unsure. But uh, you're absolutely right in bringing up that it is very concerning. Specifically, this is supposed to be his like best time of the year. He's not supposed to lose before the quarterfinals at clay tournaments. No. I don't care if it's a 250, 1,000. Like, there shouldn't be anyone that's outside the top 15 that's beating him on a clay court. Like He's supposed to be a clay court specialist. And you just can't lose to a qualifier. Like... And and like I do think something you brought up that I didn't think about um, when I was describing like his problem with being the favorite player is that if I was a lower ranked guy and I saw that I was like, okay like I'm going to have to go against a top eight guy in the second or third round. Oh, it's Casper Root. I could win. Yeah, I'm not even kidding. Like that's 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 definitely the attitude. That's definitely the attitude. There's nothing that Casper Root has that's like, oh, my God, he's going to overwhelm me, you know? Like, Matteo Arnaldi's going into that match and saying, if I am physically fit, like, 
and I hit some winners, I'm going to win. Yep. Like that's, that's really it. Like, it's not like Casper's going to dominate you on the return. He's going to dominate you on serve. Like he's not doing any of that. He's just like good. And that's it. But he's not great at anything. And, and that's at least like stroke wise, like there's nothing that's great, uh, you know, and now that it seems like his mental side is diminishing a little bit. I mean, that's going to be a good old fashioned look out below um, as to what happens to him, because that is just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people on the tour, they go hunting, man. And they when they see him in your quarter or yours part of the draw, they're going to go after his liabilities right now, which is mental game and his backhand. So uh, I'm curious to see what he does at Rome. Speaking of Rome, Frankie, for our listeners, can you, as the resident Italian here, can you explain, one, the beauty of the Rome tournament and its location, and two, also how the conditions play in comparison to what we just had for for Madrid? Yeah, so if you ever have the chance to go to Rome, which I'm sure many of our listeners have already been or are planning to at some point, the Foro Italico, which is where this is played, is absolutely amazing. The location is pretty good, like, it's right within like the walls of Rome. Um, it's just like these super cool atmosphere where the courts are like kind of sunk into the ground really. And you're just like walking up top. It's really, really amazing. I would highly recommend, you know, obviously not all of us can make for the tournament, but like if you can at one point during like your visit to Rome, take a walk around, it's pretty amazing. And condition wise, it is very different from madrid it's more closer to monte carlo but even then it's it's really just the most similar to roland garros um and that is what the tournament is designed to be is really like roland garros light (laughs) right the main difference between you know philippe chatrier and you know the main stadium of the foro italico is the width right so one thing that we'll and we'll talk talk about this more when we get to Roland Garros, Philippe Chatre is one of the biggest courts width wise, like the actual tennis court on the tour, right? That is why it specifically plays so well for Rafa Nadal. He has a ton of room to cover. He can like slide all over the place. It's really hard to hit winners, everything like that. For Italgo is not quite that wide. There's not like, it's, there's, there's no other, uh, there's no other court that I can think of off the top of my head, clay court, that is nearly that wide. But in terms of speed, it plays really pretty much identical. Um, Climate-wise, obviously fairly similar to Paris. So you're going to have a pretty, a pretty, you know, like-for-like experience there. This is a tournament that traditionally has been a little bit more of a toss-up for the Rafael Nadal faithful than like a Monte Carlo. Like Monte Carlo, Rafa has had like pretty strong success in. I think he's won it like 10 plus times. But this tournament, Novak Djokovic has performed quite well in. And actually, I believe he is the defending champion, if I'm remembering right, and won it in 2022. So this one's going to be a little bit more up in the air. Novak, speaking of him, is back and he will be playing this tournament. Um, And it seems like all the big guys are back. Yannick Sinner's back, you know, you name it. But the guy that I want to talk about who is absent is Rafael Nadal. Marcus, I don't think this is good. 
No, this isn't good at all. Um, he has not played a single clay court tune-up event for the French Open. So even – I don't even know if he's going to be ready for the French. He might just go out there just because he's Rafa and he's going to give it a shot and he's going to do that for the public. If even if he's available, I don't see him making it to the semifinals, maybe quarters max, just based on lack of – and I'm probably going to eat these words because he's Rafa, but just lack of not having the matches under his belt. He's a guy who needs to play a lot. He can play his way through the tournament, but a hip injury on clay is like one of the worst that you can have because on a hard court, you can at least kind of modify your movements a little bit, play a little bit of a quicker point. You don't have to slide as much, but on a clay court, it's all groin and hip muscles that you're using when you're sliding, you're you're constantly grinding out points. You're going moving a lot more up and back and side to side. It's just not a. It's just a recipe for disaster. And I don't. You know, he's a guy who loves to play these clay court events. And if he's not able to play these, Frankie, I don't know. I, I don't know. It, this is this is not this is not good news. Definitely not good news. Yeah, I think that this really puts into question whether Rafa Nadal is going to play this year at all, because I, I don't really see him playing the hard court swing or the grass court swing uh, as he did last year. I, I don't really know why he'd put any of his last bits of tour time into those tournaments that he's just simply not going to win. And I mean, at this point, like, Ironically, I was talking about this with your dad the other day when I gave him his strong racket. Shout out to but Todd. Shout out to Todd. Um, and I said to him, like, I think that Rafa has fallen, unfortunately, for the same sort of fallacy that Roger fell for at the end of his career, where they have a really good result, um, borderline, or in Rafa's case, win the Australian and win Roland Garros, and then think that their body is good to go and like they'll figure it out and they just don't you know and and like for me what's frustrating is like obviously roger had like some freak knee thing that like sort of spiraled so like he couldn't and then COVID happened so there was a lot of things that he couldn't control so like that's a little bit different but like for rafa like we openly know and he openly expressed like oh yeah, I couldn't feel my foot the whole tournament. Like I was getting cortisone shots the entire time. Like if that is not sort of a signal to you, like, hey, I think it's time. And like, maybe this should be the last tournament. So that way we go out on top and get that Sampras ending that everybody seems to want, but no one seems to realize means that you retire when you win, right? <laughs> um, Probably should have happened last year. And I think, unfortunately, Rafa's in a really bad spot because I think if he plays Roland Garros, he risks losing early on and like really and re-injury and re-injury. And I don't want to say it tarnishes his legacy at Roland Garros, but like the fact that the dudes lost like what, three times? Like, do you really want to jeopardize losing a fourth time in like a third round to, you know, Borna Koric? Like, no, what, what are you doing? Like, it's just not worth it. If he's not 100%, there's no point in playing the tournament, in my in my opinion. And again, Rafa's probably going to make me eat shit, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't 
see him going to Roland Garros unless he knows he can pull it in a full, like at least a full fourth effort. Like even if he's injured, like if he says like, okay, like I can at least play. I don't think he really cares about him losing. I mean, he's lost before. It doesn't matter. No one's ever, I'm not going to think less of him because he lost this match at 36 years old and, and on a bad hip. You know what I mean? I don't think he's concerned about that. I think the guy just really wants to play and he knows Roland Garros is his best tournament, but he's just kind of in a pickle. I mean, and you know, and he's not the only one, Frankie. I mean, I'm curious to see what's what are we going to see from Novak Djokovic in Rome, who's got a bum elbow, uh, had a pretty bad outing at at Banja Luka, where he lost to Lajovic. No, no offense to Lajovic, but Djokovic should not be losing to this guy. Um, and he had to pull out of Madrid. So this is kind of Carlos's year to start taking steps forward and i mean i know we're going to get into rome predictions in a month in a minute but i'm concerned for the for the top two tier right now more so for rafa but i'm not sold on Djokovic's, you know media answers about how his elbow's fine i'm not buying it i agree with you 100 percent. i agree with you i i think that novak's elbow is a very big cause for concern because that is actually like an injury that career done and reoccurring, by the way. Yeah, I mean, if that's a reoccur, like that is no way you can play with that, right? So that's a whole separate issue. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think that you and I both knew that this would be the year on the tour where we'd really see, you know, some of the new guys start to make a difference right and and really assert themselves obviously carlos already has but i think you know talking about like a yannick sinner talking about uh uh you know i mean maybe a Sitsipas, daniel medvedev it's pretty much carlos holder rune you know like some of you know the, the guys and i i i still think that that is happening but i don't want to discount novak quite yet because I still think he's the best hardcore player in the world. I do. Like, I think if he plays Indian Wells or Miami, if he was allowed to play them, um, which he will be going forward, which is great, uh, he probably wins one of them. Uh, You know, like it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. So as much as as highly as I think of Daniil, like in terms of his strategy and everything like that, you know, but whatever. Uh, We'll talk about that another episode. But uh, we got like five minutes or so here. Let's get into Rome. Marcus, who are you thinking are your favorite? Like, we don't have a draw yet. The, this tournament starts midweek because of the Madrid and everything like that. So, Marcus, why don't you give us like a rough idea of like who are your top five contenders? Let's go with five. Well, number one's got to be. I mean, I wish he's not playing, but Jan Lennart Struff, if he was playing, my boy. <laughs> um. Jokes aside, uh, Carlos is obviously my favorite. That goes without saying. Um, I would I would like to think Stefanos does better here than he does in Madrid. Uh, I think it suits him a little bit a little bit better. Kind of Roland Garrosy ish courts. Um, Zverev has had good success here in the past, but after what I just saw from Carlos, just absolutely clapping this man's cheeks, I'm not really <laughs> I'm not really seeing anything there. So. Honestly, it's just kind of for me, Carlos, Steph, and I can't even, I don't even know if I can put Joker in there yet because I don't know what to expect of him, what's going on. Um, 
long layoff, has poor clay court result, elbow questions. I can't even give you a top five, really. It's just kind of just Carlos or none for me. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I'll write off Novak quite yet. I do agree the elbow is very concerning, and this will be like the sort of telling tournament about that. But Novak does well here. He loves Italy. He played in Italy as a junior for quite a long time with Ricardo Piatti, so uh, he gets a little bit of a hometown bump. Uh, Let's go with that. Call it. Um, I don't know. So I'll put him in my contenders. Carlos is one. I actually think that Yannick Sinner is two, being the Italian hometown, took a week off to literally just play this tournament because he was so fixated on being 100% for it. Um, As Frankie's giving me the Italian, you know, fingers together thing inadvertently, but that's just how they normally talk. Amen. But yeah, I think Yannick is two. I will go with Sitsipas three because in like he is starting to play better. I think Struff just had a sick run and, you know, that happens Four, I'll go Novak for because he's Novak. So, I mean, that's never a bad pick. And then five, I'll surprise you a little bit uh, again, going with a hometown guy that I think just plays well here. Lorenzo Musetti, who's gotten mm-hmm. a bunch of really good results on clay would not surprise me if the draw opens up for him, if he makes a run and like just starts going ham. I like it. I like the Musetti pick. I actually like, believe it or not, I like that more than the Jan pick. I, oh, I kind of want to say yes. You. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not going <laughs> to disagree. Like, I think that Musetti just like is so crafty and like on his day, he just has like that Fognini thing where he's just like, I'm going to win today and I don't care who's on the other side of the net, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they just have that, like, pride thing. That's what it is. It's a pride thing. Oh, it's like, totally, they that, yeah. They have that pride thing, and it's just, like, boom. You know, like, they can turn it on. And Musetti can absolutely turn it on. So I, I expect him to have a good tournament. So he'll probably be the victim of the Breakpoint podcast curse, and we'll go right down. Yeah. Lorenzo, get ready to lose first round. <laughs> what are you expecting of Holger Rune and Daniil Medvedev? Um, Daniil kind of same as always for me. Uh, I think Rome is actually probably the worst suited for him just because I think it is the slowest. So I'm thinking probably round or two, get a W and then lose to a, I don't know, a Dovidovich Fakina or like a, a, a more of a clay court oriented guy. Maybe one of these Italian dudes, Holger. Um, I could see Holger making a run. Uh, I think that he's, He's an interesting case because he got pretty he got pretty roasted over in Madrid for his behavior, including by Carlos Bernardes. So he's kind of got that, you know, that FU attitude towards the world, like me against the world attitude. But uh, I also don't want to see it go too much to his head. And especially leading up to a slam, if he's got that kind of in the back of his mind instead of actually focusing on the tennis, I could see that ruining him a little bit. Um I want to flip it back to you, and then I also want to add in. We spoke about him earlier, Casper Ruud. Can we expect anything in this tournament? Does this tournament suit him better? Uh, I mean the answer is yes because it's slower, so he's not going to get punished. Like there's, it's harder to punish him rather. So, 
I know I, I to be honest, I think he's the one person of everyone we've spoken about that I including Novak that I really have no idea what the hell he's going to be. Uh, just to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I just, I just don't know. I, as in terms of what you just talked about and what I asked you about Daniil one round, maybe two. See ya really just a horrible fit for him court wise. So I, I, I would be surprised. He's also defending zero points. So any win is like beneficial for him. Like it's just a, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it's, we spoke about this like Daniel just needs to win like one or two matches and like great great result move on you know so tough for him uh Holger man if he plays one of the Italian players he is gonna get reamed out by that crowd that's gonna be really fun to watch because after what happened with Sinner and Monte Carlo oof he is gonna get rained down with the boo birds a Musetti rune matchup Musetti rune would be hysterical because if there's like Jan is just too cold to really engage with that. But Musetti is like a POS and like, he'll totally like get everybody going and just like, yeah, that would be amazing. I'd be pumped to watch that match to be honest, but yeah, yeah, I I, I don't know. Holger rune is a really good player. He's a really good clay core player. He's got great, like, sort of skills of problem solving. So I, I would expect him to be in at least the, the, the round of 16, at least, if not further, if he gets a good draw. So, yeah, I, I expect a good tournament from him. I came up with another answer to your threat question, actually. I forgot. I should have included him, and no disrespect, I should have included him. Andre Rublev deserves to be part of the conversation. Absolutely deserves to be part of the conversation. Um, I think this court will be a bad fit for him. But I agree he has to be part of the conversation. I expect him to get to at least the quarterfinal. So, yeah, fair enough. Yep. All right. Yeah. Well, that'll wrap it us for uh, that'll wrap it up for us. Uh, Frankie, we all know that you love telling the listeners where they can find us. Give it to us. The rundown. Well, luckily, you have our lovely saved blurb at the beginning that you can listen to to get the full rundown. But you can just send me a DM on at Breakpoint Podcast 7. Tell me how your day is, how you're doing, thoughts, wishes, your dreams, hopes, you name it. Just let me know. There you go. Awesome, folks. Thank you so much. And we will catch you at the end of the Rome tournament. Ciao.